Um, Are you ready for this? I don't think you're ready for this jelly. Uh, mm. oh, no, I know I'm ready. I don't know about you. You think so? Ready. Ready yeah, or you're ready for this? Favorite dragon movie, go. Braveheart. Uh, oh, the old uh wasn't truly ready. Was not truly <laughs> ready. Thanks for playing. Maybe next time. Favorite dragon movie, go. Dragon Ball Z. Counts. Shin Long is indeed a dragon. Jeff. Uh, what was that terrible Christian Bale movie? With Matthew he... McConaughey? Yeah. I can't, it's at the tip of my tongue. Is that Ring of Fire? Yeah. No, yeah, or is that Ring the Johnny Cash song? Is it actually still Ring of Fire? Is that what it's called? Uh, let me look it up. All right, well, you're doing that. I'll tell you my favorite dragon movie. Dragonheart. Sean Connery is the voice of bad CGI dragon. <laughs> Dennis Quaid as well, right? Dennis Quaid's in that. Yeah, dude. You know, I, I think of like all these uh, iconic dragon films, and I can't help wrap my head around this concept that there's been no like dragon sort of like the same infatuation that there is with vampires and like how that sort of got like the the sexy teen makeover. How no how no one's done that with dragons. Reign of like, Fire I'm a dragon is, the, rider. is the name of the movie. And to answer your question, Tom, I think it happened. It just happened in the seventies. Like I think it happened. It just happened on HBO. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With but like never the dra the dragons weren't sexualized. It was always like normal uh, lady who's sexy plus dragons. Okay, all right. No, are you, are you saying? No, like, yeah, no, that's a fair point. No, it happened in I mean, unless you you sort of like were looking at Drogos and you were like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think nice. I think there were some theories on that at the end of it. Um, not to get too spoilery, but it no, totally yeah. it totally happened in Shrek. The dragons are <laughs> That's true. She did have very long eyelashes, yeah. and I know I know how, how we all feel she's about not to uh, get you not to get too punny, but she's pretty hot. Right. Yeah, she's pretty <laughs> We've devolved. I, I feel like we're devolving and we're this is turning into a podcast that belongs more on the deviant art side of things. Uh hello everyone and welcome <clears throat> to Roll and Move, the Internet's podcast where we take a look at some of the weirder usually on the batter side of good board games and we break them down we see what works about them and i am your first co-host and one of the creators of rough draft games thomas youngerberg and with me here as always is garrett lively i still still do not have a dragonite on pokemon go so how how, do, how long is, you is been that playing? something you have to evolve or can you catch one in the wild yeah i don't know still don't have one. <laughs> that's probably that lack of dedication is probably Dude, why you pay to win one. man just buy one <laughs> Can you do that? Any microtransaction in Pokemon Go? You can trade, I think. Oh, that's, that's just not bad. You just gotta find. You. you gotta find someone who's loaded. Uh, and also with us is uh, Jeff Lee. I, you know, sometimes I have to pick between two numbers. I just kind of say them both. So <laughs> you're, you're. I bet you're really fun at parties. I'm great. It's great. <laughs> I'm, I'm between a couple ages. Uh, my phone number is a, a wide range of numbers, and uh, yeah. Pick a number get, one through ten. I don't know, like a, God, one or ten. It's really hard for me to. <laughs> it's really hard for me to get into my bank account. So That's, it is what it is. Oh my goodness. Well, today we're we're going to be talking, luckily, about numbers and also these uh, these beautiful, sexy lizards that you know I'm sure we're all going to be fantasizing about in the future. We're going to be talking about dragons because we. Uh, wh what game are we looking here at today? Get Garrett. Why are you rubbing your eyes like that? Uh, why are you acting I, like you're above this? I'm, I'm not above it. I, that's why I'm laughing. Uh, today, <laughs> today we are playing Three to Four-Headed Monster from Tasty Minstrel Games. That was hard to say for some reason. Designed by Trevor Cram, a social deduction game where you take on the role of one of the heads of a dragon. Whoa! Uh, a little social deduction game. I'm a fan of those. I'm a fan of uh, 
resistance and, big fan you know, of secret hitler and i think yeah. we did a we did another micro game a couple weeks back so we're back on the micro mm-hmm. game trend here uh, i, I think i don't like it yeah frees up my night <laughs> i know it, it <laughs> takes out about an hour and a half of our recording process when we can play a nice micro although although the lords of rock uh, was not as short as advertised this this was no. this, this was, was a short short this was short yeah uh, so let's let's dig in a little bit to Tasty Minstrel Games. I believe that's the, that's that's the name of these guys. Now I didn't actually know too much about these guys um, when I was digging digging into them. I looked up this game and I was like, "Oh, this game's you know we, we it's on the show for a reason." So we wanted to look up who's responsible for this. But it turns out Tasty Minstrel Games actually has quite a library of, if not playable, really good games, well highly highly lauded games. games. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about those, Gare? Absolutely. Uh, so I, I, I think we would be remiss if we didn't first mention Orleans, and I'm not sure if they were the original publishers or not, but they, they certainly have the distribution rights now, at least in America, uh, which is one of the progenitors of the uh, the bag-building concepts, which has led to like the Quacks of Quedlinburg, and I think Hyperborea, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. But anyways, basically, you know, the deck building concept was birthed out of, of Dominion and, and that eventually led to this bag building concept where you throw stuff in your bag. Anyways, I think... I've never played a bag building game. Would you say actually. Sheriff of Nottingham is a bag builder? No. That's just a that's just lying, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's more bluffing. yeah. No. I, no. Not necessarily. Not not so much because uh, more more in a bag builder. What you're doing, like think of a deck builder. You're you're basically flooding your deck with good cards to, to mm-hmm. kind of drown out the bad cards. So there's still a chance you're drawing those bad cards. Same thing in a bag builder. You're, you're trying to flood your bag with good stuff. Uh, so when you reach in your hand and you pull stuff out, uh, you did, you guys did kind Can of you define stuff. Is it like in a bag builder? Cause I imagine so, it's a lot more so, tactile than cards. It's dice. And yeah. So we play dinosaur Island, right? And mm-hmm. if y'all remember in that game, you're drawing out of the bag, you're drawing, um, people that are coming into your park and they're either going to be hooligans or they're going to be, uh, that's right. Yeah. They're, they're either going to be hooligans or paying customers. So when you're reaching into the bag, you, you want to have more paying customers in your bag. Now that one's a mm-hmm. general pool. Um, however, in a bag builder, generally you have your own, your own bag and you, yeah, you may put in some dice. You may put in some, uh, some good charms for you to draw out, or you may mm-hmm. pull, put in some, uh, or other people may throw in some like curses or something like that. That's bad for you. Yeah. Got it. So anyways, basically you're, you're basically just changing the odds and it, it's a, it's a way to have a, like this huge mass manipulation as opposed to like a, with a die roll, you know, you can, you can have however many faces are on the die or with, uh, a deck of cards, you may not be able to get as much as you can kind of throw in a bag. And and, and you're right. It, it does, just gives it does it speak to the feel. tactile. Yeah, yeah. It does the tactile. It, it gives yeah. it a new feel. And, like, you could do a lot of the stuff, I imagine, with cards by just writing <clears> effects <throat> on them. But it's, it sounds like, you know, it's a new take on things. And we always love to see the board game. Yeah, uh, yeah high, board absolutely. Game tactics Highly rated game. game. I think that one's top 25 or so yeah. on Board okay. Game yep. Geek. Yep. Right uh, they've got Eminent Domain. They've got uh, Trade on the Tigris, which was, if anyone else is a listener of Ludology, I think that game was... Born on Ludology by some of the the minds behind that. They've got um, just a, a, a nice nice library, and it's funny if you you're right when you just look at their logo. It's got this derpy looking dragon right there mm, on, very the, on the on the homepage. So you're like, oh, this, this. after playing this game, if you just looked at that logo, you're like, these guys kind of got a gimmick, don't they? It's just uh, just yeah, just a uh, little shtick with dragons and monsters. But but no, they they do have a a respectable and actually very well respectable mm-hmm. uh, library. 
to go yeah, along right. with yeah. the derpy gimmicks. And then, of course, there's this game. <laughs> Three to four-headed monster. And it's not... I want to be clear about this title for everyone. It's not... Three comma two comma four headed monster. It's eh, three to four heads. Yeah, just however many, right? however many we got tonight. <laughs> well, well, however we happen depends. to have in this case. Yeah, it's you know it depends on how many people you're playing with. But we have we have this game, which is one of their micro games. And most of the games, I think, at Tasty Minstrel, there's a lot of uh, they have some designers. They have uh, several developers that are associated and listed on oh, the yeah. website. Mm-hmm. Uh, this specific designer, the person behind this game, his name is Trevor Cram. Uh, he is not listed on the Tasty Minstrel Games website. Ah, they don't take ownership of this guy? They mm-hmm. do not take ownership of this mm, fellow. I see. Uh, I, I believe. But interestingly enough, they do have a little bit of responsibility because they trusted him enough in order to lend out one of their tried and true artists to him. And maybe that's going a little far because I realize that most artists are independent contractors and they can work for whoever they want. But he did do a lot of the other... Uh, tasty minstrel games so i'm not sure if there was sort of a hey we know a guy he's going to be perfect for your game i'm not sure how involved tasty minstrel was with the development process but the credited designer is trevor cram and do we know anything specific about trevor cram guys uh really his other big hit uh, i believe was lemonade stand uh, again another micro game it, it seems like he kind of has specialized on these micro games right sort of, right mm-hmm. that are easy to get into people's hands and then yeah. play pretty quick um and he's not terrible. Lemonade Stand was re- received relatively well on on Board Game Geek. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's got like a six point so it's not. Yeah, it's not terrible, especially for a micro game. It's right, mm-hmm. right in the playable range, I think. But nothing, right? Nothing like. But if we're associating with him with Tasty Minstrel, he's very much he's he's more of an outsider, sort of looking in. I imagine not quite pulling his weight. Yeah, yeah, we can say that. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I I don't think I mentioned it, but uh, Reiner Knizia is among the the board game designers in, in Tasty Minstrels Library, which is, you know, right on the Mount Rushmore for many people of board game designers. So yeah, mm-hmm. certainly certainly a novice or, you know, definitely a not lower, the usual fare that you he's not in the same tier as Rainer Knizia and, and we certainly are known to speculate Either are we, on the store. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be honest, right? We're known uh, to uh speculate on this show. So uh here we are speculating. Probably just a little outsource game he pitched. Uh it's got a dragon theme. They like dragons. They Boom, bought it. Here we are. <laughs> they yeah. bought it. They, um, they got their art on it. I do want to point out on the box. I, I just realized as you're pointing out the the three to four headedness. I, I'm looking at the box and I don't know how well you guys can see this, but basically you can definitely tell there's three heads. And if you look really close, there is a fourth head there in the background. Oh yeah. Um, it kind of hidden underneath the text. So it, it, it's very much just like whatever you want this game to be. That's, that's, that's what it is. Just look, right. just look, look, look hard and you'll three see Three to it. 10 headed monster. <laughs> <laughs> so is there, there's no history that we really have as far as this game being developed. I think you summed it up quite nicely that this was a game that was probably most likely pitched to tasty minstrel games they picked it up they ran with it it was a super easy micro game to produce you know how many sets of cards are we looking are we looking at with this game i mean it's it's very tempting you know if you have a if you have a game like this pitched to you that's so low mm-hmm. on the development scale you might as well it's like a why not you know like if it doesn't mm-hmm. if you feel like this person has produced maybe i have to take a look oh yeah so this was produced in 2016 and lemonade say was produced in 2012 if you had some mild success with micro games and come came to this company that maybe doesn't do a lot of other micro games and you say, Hey, you know, we can turn around a micro game in however many months and it's not gonna cost you this much and we can just we'll be able to push out another game and it might be, you know, it's like kind of buying a lotto ticket, if you will. Mm-hmm. 
And why right. not? You know, I think I think it might have been worth it for them to to take a shot at. at uh, yeah. Well, actually, I, I do have a little bit of background on this, and we touched on this a lot in Lords of Rock Mosh Pit. And Jeff, I'm not sure if you have gone back to uh, to listen. I know every day. I know you're asleep during that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Love Letter kind of started this big boom of micro games back in 2012, and basically publishers were just trying to latch onto this this trend and we you know right. we, we talked about it but to summarize it, it didn't really catch on the way and intended um as far as like developers were pushing them but it, the market never really was all all that there um you know a game that you could just pull out i think we said like in front of an ice cream shop or or when you're eating lunch on a picnic table you can just pull out real quick and play during your lunch break yeah certainly it's there i mean you you think of coup or any any game you can just you know kind of throw in your bag or fit in your pocket and pull it out. Right. Some right. people play, but it's certainly not part of it. Like in the way that they were hoping that it broke into the mass mainstream, never really happened. And you know, for years, people were predicting that this would be the next big thing. And and you know, a lot of people, a lot of fans were looking for it. Um, hardcore gamers do like them. They are games you can throw in in between games, or if you're knocked out of a game, or if you're waiting for everybody to get to game night, you can kind of punch it in. Um, mm-hmm. But Definitely, the market was super saturated within about four years. So yeah, I want to uh, add, was- like, I want to add that I, I think that the micro games are really interesting in in the terms of like, I think for most people that are looking for something quick and dirty, like we're at that age where or in that era, I guess, where people are going to find that kind of stuff on their phones in some mm-hmm. way. Like Heads Up is another example, or some sort of quick game that you can play. You don't have to. The right. the fact of having uh, light being light on components is like a, obviously a big draw of micro games and the quick quick play time right those are two things right. and so like a lot of a lot of the times unfortunately those are going towards mobile games because it's a lot easier for people to do but then like there are people like us where we're bigger fanatics of games and we enjoy playing you know midweight games and then we have a lighter we are adding to the lighter side of the menu by adding these micro games and that's mm-hmm. we're that's what that's the baseline that we're coming from versus like i don't think a lot of normies if you will will just pick up a micro game because they're just going to play something else right so that's yeah. that's at least my take on it you know i don't think they're they're not looking for something shorter and quicker to play like they're not going to be like i need to find a short quick board game whereas us we're always trying to find like oh people don't want to play three hours of scythe so we gotta find something quicker so <laughs> yeah okay so we know that this is a micro game it came out sort of in the micro game boom so why don't we talk a little bit about uh what comes with it so garrett i think the time has come for you to tell us What's, What's in, the box? in the Oh, you guys box. are box. <laughs> There's a, a problem with those three-headed monsters and three brains kind of going in different directions. Uh, we have a nice standard size card box. Think of the you know the bicycle deck you get at Walgreens when you're checking out. You're like, do I need a deck of cards? Um, I, I I think I lost the eight of clubs. I might go and grab this. That is the size <laughs> of box you're looking at here. However, the cards didn't fit all that well, so they added a nice cardboard sleeve on the inside to... Uh, to further just hold in. I, I'm sure they cut back on manufacturing costs nice. by getting the normal card deck uh, box a, yeah, like and then sleeve. just adding a cardboard sleeve inside. So, but you know, who knows? That's a good um, point. You know, so Love Letter, just to interject here, Love Letter has like a, that nice little bag that it comes in. I wonder if that's cheaper than a car. I guess cardboard's got to be cheaper, right? Than that nice cloth bag that Love Letter comes in. Uh, I think Love Letter's done the gamut on as far as their packaging. Not yeah. to... Not to throw a wrench in your plans here but i think they originally mm-hmm. came out in the box i don't know uh, okay. sure, Got it. Yeah. how big is the cardboard insert on this thing like is it like is it egregious are we talking like it's... ruffles bag the equivalent of what they do with like no, air in the no, potato I, chips no nah, it probably cuts out about 
fifteen percent of the the okay, dead space that, inside. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So <clears throat> that sleeve is home to seventeen cards, and then one half sheet of rules. Big fan of the rules. Good rules Big here. Fan. Big fan of these rules. Uh, so rules, pretty simple. Perfect. Rules. Uh, yeah, basically. Uh, like I said, social deduction game. You're going to take on the role of one of the three to four heads of this monster. This game is for three to four players only. And basically, you're going to try to gain control of the monster with another head. Uh, you're either going to be a destructive monster or a pacifist, a peaceful monster. And there's one pacifist and everybody else is destructive. And then basically on your turn, uh, or I guess everybody's turn, you just decide, you talk it out, you say, listen, guys, I'm not, I'm, I'm very mean. I'm a very mean person. You should definitely, you should yeah. definitely. You want to be bad in this game. I know it's sort of counterintuitive, but you are a monster and you don't care about humans at all. You want to, you want to destroy stuff. You want to break it's down buildings. It's what monsters do. It's in the culture. You want to, you don't yeah. want to be different than the other monsters. It's in your DNA. Embrace it. So yeah, you, you, you try to convince other people that you're the big bad meanie that uh, is going to go destroy some buildings. Or if you're the pacifist, you want to also convince them that you're the big bad meanie. But then once you get in on the uh, get in on the movement, the mind control of the entire body, slip mm-hmm. in some slip in some cards. So you're dealt out. We have a, a let's get back into the components here. We have, like I said, 17 cards. Four of those cards are roll cards, with one being the pacifist, three being the uh, non-pacifist, or I guess just the monster cards. And then you have cards numbered one through eight. Uh, and then you have a single card that's a zero slash ten card. I'll come back to that one. And then finally, we have a nice score tracker card. So what happens is, let's say, uh, let's say for argument's sake that Jeff is the pacifist. Let's say that I'm not the pacifist, and let's say that Tom is also not the pacifist. So we're gonna we're gonna decide, and ultimately, Tom and I want to go on a mission together, but we don't know we want to go on a mission together. You know, we we I know that I'm not a pacifist. Uh, Jeff knows that he's a pacifist. Tom knows that he's not a pacifist. We're just we're just all talking it out. We're saying we're saying our the meanest things we can. We're saying, uh, Jeff, you look stupid on the webcam here, dude. Whoa, hey, big guy. Hey, hang on there, man. I don't know. There's some smoke coming there. That's a little it's bit pretty, of a burn, if I do say rude. so myself. <laughs> so, watch your saying, saying anything you can to convince convince your fellow heads that uh, you're you're a big bad meanie. <laughs> Me and my fellow heads. And uh, so let's say let's say Tom's like Garrett. You know, I think you're trying too hard. That's an awful insult. There's no way you're not a pacifist. Like only a pacifist would say that somebody looks stupid. Yeah. So he says, you know what, Jeff? Let's take control of the body. Let's go. Let's go on a walk. So what, what Thomas and Jeff are going to do, they're going to play a card. They each have uh, one of, actually they have three of these cards that I said that are listed from one to eight or the zero to ten card. And so basically if you're the pacifist, you want the combination of those cards to add up to more than nine, to nine or greater. And if you're not a pacifist, if you're a destructive monster, you want it to add up to eight or below. So Jeff will play a card in secretly. Tom will play a card in secretly. We'll shuffle them up. I will look at them because I'm not the one that uh, went on the walk, and I will place them on either side of the score track. If it's nine or higher, the pacifist score point. If it's uh, eight or lower, the non-pacifist score point. And then basically the non-pacifists have to get three points, and the pacifists have to get two points to yep. win. Mm-hmm. That's basically it. Uh, and the game encourages you kind of to, to bluff, to say, listen, I'm a, I am a pacifist, or I'm not a pacifist, but I only got really high cards, so you don't want to choose me. And or maybe you, you if you're the pacifist, you want to say, listen, take me. I only got low cards and you throw on your high card. 
Right. It's basically the spy, not spy mechanic for, you know, resistance. resistance. Eh. It is. Eh. What do you mean, eh? It totally is. It's the spy, like, hey, you definitely want me on this mission. I'm not a spy. Yeah, but you hey. can always choose to do certain things exactly. on that one. Yeah. Exactly. In, in, in the Resistance or a game like that, you always have the option of either passing or failing the mission. In this game, you do not. You have three options. As far you, as the declaration of loyalty goes, you know. Sure, I'm not, sure, I'm not, sure. The de- yeah. declaration of loyalty, I agree with it, It's a binary choice of loyalty, right? There's not multi-factions. It's nothing like that. It is spy versus not spy. But you can choose to fail or pass a mission as you please. So it's in yes. some ways, it's a bit more like Secret Hitler um, in that sometimes you get what you're dealt. Like you even you, you might have to play against what you're doing. But mm-hmm. you have you usually have a choice because you have three choices versus Secret Hitler. You only get to usually get one or two choices. So. Right. What's interesting is I think that social deduction games are best played with as many people as possible. Agreed. Right? You yeah. usually want five, six, maybe even seven people playing a social deduction game because, I mean, heck, the more social you are, the more deducing you're going to be able to do. So and when you have a game, a three- to four-headed monster, what's the maximum amount of players that you can have here, Gary? Four. Four. We played with three. We played with the three part of the yeah. three or four headed monster or three to four headed monster. And it, I, I believe when we were playing the game, there was a massive amount of holy cow, <laughs> the pacifist is so screwed. Yeah. <laughs> like, you get found out super quick because um, you basically make mm-hmm. one one move, maybe two. I think in, a, in the time that I was a pacifist, I got to go on the walk twice. Mm-hmm. And then at that time you're found out and you know, like it's really easy to get found out. And then there's really nothing you can do. There's no slingshot mechanic or anything else that you can really do or gain any position of power. Once you, you kind of found right. out to be the passive. Well, well on that note, let me talk about one card real quick before we, we dive into sure. deeper. Yeah. And that's the zero slash okay. 10 card. So this I, this, I think is the one shot at trying to kind of remedy. Yeah. That. Yeah, yeah. The zero slash 10 card. So this card is dependent on what the other player plays. So the card is worth zero. If an eight, uh, or if a five to eight is played and it's worth 10 if a one to four is played. So basically if I'm a pacifist and the other player and I have the zero slash 10 card and the other player is not the pacifist and he plays his one card, I can play my zero to 10 card and it's worth 10. So it'll automatically throw it over to the pacifist side. So it's this weird, weird mechanic where it like is it's it only, it only, I don't know how to say this, but it it, it always does the opposite, right? It, it kind of yeah, it kind of does the opposite of what of what the other player is intending. The player who's not playing is intending for it to do, you know. So if I'm if I want it to be low, if or if I want I want the round to be low and and Jeff throws this in, it's not going to be low. So it, it's a it's a weird card that kind of I don't know. What's weird to re- me is turns that, things on its head. What's weird to me that if, if you have that card and you play it. I guess unless you, I guess I, I guess I did play it in a way that I was trying to get rid of one of Thomas's high cards. Like unless you're really mm-hmm. open about the communication, yeah. Like pretty much every time you play the card in in secret, you're gonna like people know your intent. Like you know they know you're trying to screw people over. And then, so I, I guess one question I have is like we didn't openly talk about our cards, but it was kind of fuzzing the rules how much we can let on. Well, I, th- I think the only thing we we didn't see though is like so. What happens if the pacifist gets that card? I think the pacifist it would it's more beneficial for the pacifist to have that card because it kind of turns what the what the non pacifist is going to do on its on its head. Yeah, but mm-hmm. then the pacifist know like like if let's say you're the pacifist and you play that card, 
and I told you, oh, I'm going to play a high card or I'm going to play, I guess I'm going to play a low card. Like <laughs> by you playing that card, I know that you were in it to sabotage me no matter what I played. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I think I, I get what you're saying. So it, then it, you just exactly. Yeah. Then you would just completely refuse to work with that. Person ever again. Again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's because. So the way that you're you're chosen you're you're cho- chosen to be in operation of legs, is if you have the consent of at least one other person. So you've eliminated, yeah, you've you've eliminated an entire route of I don't know. It just doesn't seem to work with that few of votes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because I once agree. you are convinced that a person is against you, if they do play a card like that, then. It's it's either grinds the game to a halt or because you're refusing to work with that person or it would force, I don't know, you would have to try your best to gain the trust of another person because maybe they'd be doing the exact same thing. Uh, I will say this about the game. It was short enough as a micro game that we actually played it more than once. This is <laughs> the first. only, yeah. yeah, this yeah. is the only time in the history of the show that we've ever played a game more than once because we got through the first game game when we were playing this and I was like I don't I yeah I did feel we miss like that was or, I feel like yeah. we missed something I feel like something was weird something didn't really stick for me there and then we we played it again and to give a sort of a better understanding of it to see if there was any variations that were not bubbling up in the first gameplay but it is in essence a micro game so I will give it that even though I'm not quite sure how like if, if some of the if some of the deduction mechanics can actually be detrimental yeah. to the game itself. Right. Yeah. One uh, one of the one other thing on that point, I, I I think we we played with three. Obviously, there is the four player thing, and the only rule change with that is that you're not allowed to go on a mission with the same person more than once. So mm-hmm. it it does kind of throw that out the window. But still, you know, I think that's half point, the game. That's half the game. That right. Well, that we're talking well, I still about, I, I, right. I still think to your to your point, like. If you're if you single out one person, then I, I, that guy's definitely the pacifist. You but know? you have to play with him at some point, is what you're saying, or most of the time you might have. Not to. necessarily, but you can you can, so like if I go on a mission with Thomas and like we pass, we're like okay, we, we're pretty sure that you know Jeff or whoever's. So we're we're just gonna make sure me or Thomas is on a is on mm-hmm. a team, and we're not gonna let you two go on a mission together. Yeah, I mean that's what Secret Hitler does too, right? They they pass along the president role, and then the president gets to pick a chancellor. So there there is like. There is that scenario where someone has to go unless everyone vetoes, and but and usually vetoes vetoing if you haven't played Secret Hitler is generally a negative thing for mm-hmm. for um for the liberals and because it but, moves a it moves an uncertain tracker forward and mm-hmm. and so I I think that that mechanic is is a good one in that it keeps people kind of making decisions and it keeps like the control out of certain people's hands and you can't you know mm-hmm. kind of own monopoly. But you can't. It doesn't come to fruition in a game this short. Like you know, it's yeah, or with this few of players. Yeah, exactly. Because they, they took out the so, they took out the social aspect. Yeah. In Secret Hitler or Resistance or something along those lines, your distrust of another person is more performative because you also need to be convincing other people around you. Whereas in this game, there's so few players, you can make such a large impact with a self-imposed ban on somebody else that it it doesn't have nearly the same weight. The distrust doesn't go as far yeah. as it would yeah. with a game that is a larger player base. I will say the one thing I really liked about this game, it's something that Secret Hitler does really well, and it opens up for some conversation, is the third person that doesn't go on the mission gets to see the outcome. They're not supposed to, they can't lie. That is um, but I think that's really smart, because Garrett tried to play it against us as a pacifist, 
mm-hmm. and it did sowing discontent yeah one of you is trying to hurt yeah, the other exactly yeah, yeah. And, and it did there was a little seed of doubt in my mind whether or not uh something messed up and thomas was actually because i was a bad guy and thomas was a bad guy but we weren't sure of each other so i was like was is thomas actually a bad guy or not and so that was actually a good play until we did we played again trusting each other and then it, and then we knew that Garrett was lying twice. It ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, Garrett, how would you describe the situation that we wound up in on the second playthrough, where Garrett, where Jeff and I had both played our cards, right? We both had only one card left, and it was a guaranteed. Because here was the situation that we sort of found ourselves in. Jeff and I had teamed up two times in a row, played both of our cards. We had won both rounds. And we were on the final time, the final instance of us having to play these cards. And we hadn't chosen Garrett once. And he had been outed at that point as a, yeah. as a pacifist. And so we were go- he was a little elated at that moment because he believed that we were going to have to work with him because I had a high card. Jeff had a high card. Uh, but it didn't matter. Because what do the rules say for... Because we were just like, okay, we'll play again. Jeff and I will have no cards. And because we know that you can't play by yourself, Garrett. Basically, so if six cards have been played, so if if there's been three rounds and two of them have gone to the dangerous ones and one's gone to the pacifist, then you basically do it again. However, you two just have to agree to go on the mission together. And those two... They don't need to play any cards. They just need to not be the pacifist. So basically, in in effect, it's like if you if two people can agree who the other one who who the other on the other being the pacifist, or if Mm -hmm. three people in a four four player game, I guess can can agree that Mm -hmm. one player is a pacifist, you win. So it's basically you want to keep your identity secret, even if you can't. Yeah. So, which I, I I couldn't right like there's there's no <laughs> there's nothing you can do there's nothing you I can do you keep doing exactly what you say you're gonna do yeah there, yeah there's nothing I could do it, so and I you know I, I I think as you were saying those games work better with larger player groups because you, you, sometimes you can't do that like you're you're forced to play with other players in this game you're not forced to play with other players so you can't just keep repeating. Mm-hmm. repeating you know if you get lucky on the first round you can't just keep that same com you know composition and go 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 and just right. you know cram it through and pass so yeah here's a here's a f- fun little side note is there any point to having a card higher than eight uh it maybe if you had some negative cards do we have negative cards no there's no, no, negative no. Cards. just yeah so is there any point to having a number higher than eight there isn't there isn't a there's card not, there's not a card higher than eight well, there is. There's the ten, but the ten acts as a. But zero. it's a zero or a ten, so it just flips the other one on its head. Yeah. Right. So why not just have it zero or an eight? Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Oh. <laughs> I don't understand why we suddenly go to a ten scale when we're uh <laughs> when we're working with this one card. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a little weird. Was there already? Because eight is the threshold. Point. You got to be below eight to Z- be bad. Zero makes sense. Ten does not. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Even if it was just nine, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just be eight if you're at, if you're eight, yeah. Eight I can be fine. I can understand. Yeah, that's true. But I can understand eight if they're saying you only want one of each. Mm-hmm. But there's no nine either. So yeah, yeah I, don't know. I think that would be a really good way to spice up the game. And I think we'll touch on that when we get to our personal reviews. But like power ups, negative cards, anything like that. I know yeah. it might. You there's a way that you can implement that where it still caters to the micro game basis of mm-hmm. of this thing. I think. Uh, without it becoming too bogged down in uh, power-ups and specifics that would make the game drag on for too long. I just think you said it best, Jeff, when you were when you we were playing. You said that this is the bare minimum that you can do 
for a for social a, deduction yeah, game. Yeah. So what what are what is what are people thinking generally of this game, Garrett? Do we have any reviews online? Any Amazon stuff? What do you think? Uh, I got one that I really like that is on Board Game Geek, and uh, it's from Mark Basada from Beverly Hills, California. Probably your Ooh. neighbor. Wow. Uh, uh, so on October seventeenth, or maybe October of two thousand seventeen, he rated it a three. He said, "This is an ultra light bluffing game. Too many other choices on the market to see myself playing this." even for as a quick for, for as quickly as it plays. But then he came back in January of 2019 and he just said dropped it too. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a couple of reviews here. Um, this guy came back a year and a half later and he's like, "You know what? This is uh this is, this is the worst I thought. This is not qu- I haven't played this since." So, I, I, I do I do appreciate the uh, update from 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 Mark there. That was nice. Very I cool. got uh I got one from John Mark 1971. He's from Springtown, Texas, maybe a neighbor. Uh was given to us <laughs> and played it once and knew we wouldn't play it again. And there's another theme here. So somebody else, this guy named BC Niven. Uh, I fail to see the point. Negotiation phase seems like a giant cop out in the card play stage. There's little room for substantiated bluffing. Probably best with kids, but at the end he says Received via giveaway. So I'm wondering how many of these <laughs> games. How there, many there are a couple that said away. that they got this at a at a convention. Yeah. Or at a give giveaway. BGG Spring 2018 freebie Spring mm-hmm. giveaway. Bought. Yeah, I think it, I think it was a giveaway at a couple of cons. Maybe it was given yeah. it was given out free at COTN. Played a bunch of times with the family. Simple deduction game. This person gave it a five. That's Scotty. You know, DLC. like looking back at it, maybe they didn't buy this game to kind of beef up their portfolio. They bought it this mm. game so they can do a giveaway, like give it out during conventions and be like, hey, you know, check out. We're giving you something free. Think of us. It's better yeah, than it's better than a riding, magnet. They're in they're in the micro game wave. Yeah, that's Here. not a bad idea. Like if if that's what they were really trying to do, and they were trying to sort of like give out. Like it's not very often that you would go to a con and get a free game. Yeah. If that's what is that if that's what Tasty Minstrel was doing, that's it's memorable. You you sure. can't beat free. Like to get a complete <laughs> micro game for for nothing for free. Yeah. Hey baby, hey, that's three P. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's that would definitely take me up a notch. But I, we I did not get this game. Had a couple I, dice, I, you got yourself a stew. I do think it's interesting <laughs> to note. Normally, I mean, there are 36 ratings on this, which is a healthy number for a roll and move game. Uh, it is one of the few with that many ratings that has, it doesn't have a single 10 vote and it doesn't have a single nine vote. Like hmm. it has one eight vote and everything else is seven or below. So I, I think that's one of the few times. Pretty indicative. That. It's, yeah. It's not your traditional bell curve on that. Okay. All right. So we, uh, we got a nice little collection of reviews here from around the net. Would anyone like to go first and share their own personal thoughts from this game? Uh, yeah, I can go. So I've mentioned a couple times. I'm a really huge fan of um, Secret Hitler. I think it's a great social deduction game. I think that this game tries to do, and I call, as Thomas mentioned earlier, that I said that this was kind of the bare minimum for a social deduction game and that you don't know what other people are doing. You don't know who they are. And you have to figure out who they are. And that's pretty much it. But you figure it out in like one or two moves. And I think what they did well is that they tried to add some wrinkles in with the 0 to 10 card. And and the fact that the third person had to read the responses so they can kind of game the system. I think they did that pretty well in the vein of Secret Hitler. But I think social deduction and, and micro games just don't mix. Like I can't see a scenario. I mean, maybe... Somebody please prove me wrong, some designer. But I can't see a scenario where, you know, there's enough complexity and the flavors get to meld, if you will, for, for it to really come out. Because that's the fun of a social deduction game. You're playing for multiple rounds and 
you really start to see how people are voting, their voting history, what they've been doing. And then, you know, you can you can take people off your trail by voting certain ways or doing certain things. And you can't you can't really quite do that here because you're only playing for, you know, a minimum of like six minutes. Right. Or like a maximum of like 10 minutes or whatever. So it's just it's too quick. Um, I'm going to have to give it a two and a half. I think like it tries to do some of these things. It recognizes that those are things that are in social deduction games, but it just it's not going to flesh out in the, in the game state as it is. Why don't you let me go here? Um, oh, I agree shit. with a lot of those points. I, I think a simple fix would just be a, a few more cards so you don't know what, what all is in the deck. Uh, it was a little bit easier. I mean, it makes it even easier. It this, I feel like the deck's already stacked against the pacifist. I felt like it was even easier because I knew what cards were where, especially when I was the one looking at the cards. <laughs> Shuffle time. two cards. Yeah, yeah I can't right. believe that's part of the instructions. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Um, I, I think a simple fix would have been adding more. I, I agree with your point that they. I do like the aspect where the person who doesn't particip- participate looks at the cards. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the 0 to 10 little guy, but I think they could have done a, a, a little more with that. The power-ups would have been nice. Um, it does hold true to the, the micro game. I think it does maybe hold true for a social deduction game. I think for maybe kids or like an introduction to social deduction games, it would be fine. My problem with that though, is that it says 14 plus years on the instructions. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure about that. Um, I, and I know why they did that. It's to get around the, I think I'm pretty sure it's to get around the choking hazard thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, you have to mark it as a toy or whatever. Yeah. Got it. I'm not 100% sure why. I would have just marked uh, it. <laughs> so, yeah, um, art's good. I like Tasty Minstrel. But, yeah, I'm I'm pretty much on board with everything you said. I'm a little bit higher just because uh, I like to call Jeff mean and ugly. So that was fun. <laughs> um, and fantasizing about dragons was cool. So I'm going to give oh, it a yeah, three. Wow. <laughs> oh, think of that dragon. Roar. I'm going to give it a three to four. Roar. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Solid. Uh, for me, I, I really... I think it's really nice to play a micro game that works as a micro game. Maybe I'm just uh, sort of abused in that sense after playing Lords of uh, Lords of Rock Mosh Pit. Uh, it, I will give it credit for being the first game on the podcast that we've played multiple times because the game was so short and it was at least bearable. Uh, it, it functions in that it does what it says it does. It is a social deduction game. I think it is that on the most surface level. But at the same time, I did appreciate a little bit of the sort of the shielding that it gives the player who's looking at the uh, looking at the cards and telling you whether you success you have success or you have a failure on your hands. So I think that that's you know a nice unique aspect to it. I'd want to play the game with four people just to get a better understanding of it. But I think there's a couple of easy fixes that they could have implemented. I think that the as you guys have stated the uh, the potential for power ups to switch up the way that the game is played is it's it's obvious it's right there right we're dealing with numbers throw in some negatives maybe give a person sort of a card that they can play in their back pocket to uh throw into the mix like a modifier card or something like that that they can tuck into the role they say that they're going to help and they all they get to see is the final result there's a couple things that you could do in order to switch up the variations of the of the gameplay so it's a little it's not too it's not too much. Imagine something as down, simple but... as a two times card. Like now that you're mentioning it, sorry to interrupt, but like, right? Like yeah. A two times yeah. card would have been great. You know, it's so simple. Like <laughs> yeah. a, a two times card or any any sort of modifier on there because they clearly they thought of modifiers. It was the one thing that was supposed to counterbalance the game 
from the perspective of the pacifist role. Mm-hmm, right. Yeah. And that could have been taken a little bit further to make the game shine a little bit more. If this game was given out as sort of a giveaway at a con, more power to you. I would give this game... I would be very happy to get this at a con and then just have this in my back pocket and I could, like, take it and play it back at the hotel room with some friends, you know? And we could talk about, like, all the different stuff that we saw that day and I'd actually have something for it. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. We paid for the game, so I unfortunately <laughs> cannot... I cannot give it those bonus points, so... I'm going to give this a four out of ten. Nice. Yeah. You got you. Got, I got the three. You got the four. I think that's right on target. Mm-hmm. Uh, that brings your rough draft boys average to a three point one seven. We are pretty close to the board game geek average compared to our normals. Uh, four point seven on board game geek. I quite a low. This is actually one of the lower ones we've seen from board game geek in a while. The last time we were this low, I think, was Monopoly for Millennials, which had a three point nine. We've been in the five, mm. six, and sevens. Hmm. We've been playing two good of games, but I know. you know, more importantly, I, I, I do take that back. Sorry, real quick. Uh, sure. Deal or No Deal was at a three, so that was. Oh uh, uh, yeah, yeah got to correct rough. the record there. But of course, we need to we need to share our opinion with the world in permanent board game geek forum style, as as we typically do here on this show. So, uh, who would like to do the honors and read? What are you talking about, Thomas? You can read it. All right. <clears throat> Man, this game gave me a lot of great ideas. Me too. Can you guys shut up? I'm trying to sleep. Boy, being a three to four headed monster would be cool, right? If you don't believe me, check out my deviant art. <laughs> I do portraits for 30 to $40, depending on how many heads you want. At me, at Mark Rover T. Mark Rover T. Mark Rover T. Does that name sound a little familiar to you, Garrett? Uh, I we we do hide a lot of secret messages in our podcast. Yeah, just you play it backward. to it backwards. Yeah, that's yeah, right. So. Well, you'll hear a nice satanic message if you do. That. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if you want to see that review, you can head over to boardgamegeek.com. You can check it out there. But if you would rather instead get in touch with us, maybe you would like to tell us your favorite. A dragon-based movie. We're still... We got a big list that we're putting above Garrett's bed of... We're just going to have a dragon movie night, and we're looking to add to it. And if you would like to talk about that with us or maybe other board game stuff, we're open to that too. But you can reach out to us at Rough Draft Games on Twitter. For the more sensitive subjects and maybe images, if you have any... Maybe Dragon <laughs> Vore. Dragon Vore art. Yeah, don't, do don't do that to our Don't do that to our listeners. And we're going to get Don't so Google much that. Don't Google that, kids. Drugs are bad. Don't, don't. do it. <laughs> I'm not saying Google it, but if you already know what it is and you want to send it my way, <laughs> roughdraftgames at gmail.com. I'm not going to out you. I'm not going to tweet it out. <laughs> no, it's your secret safe with us. Uh, and lastly, if you're Tasty Minstrel Games and you want to buy our dragon-based courtroom board game, All Rise, come on down to roughdraftgames.com where you can check out what we're doing with the Kickstarter for that game, check out other episodes of Roll and Move, check out the other games that we reviewed, uh, our thematics of what to eat, what to listen to when you're playing these dragon-based board games, etc. So come on and check us out. And lastly, we would be remiss if we didn't thank you guys who have gone onto iTunes and given us five stars for a review. It really helps us out and it helps us sort of spread the community, spread the word on what we're doing here and hopefully get as much support as we can when we eventually take uh, all rise to uh, to kickstarter because guys 
guys. We're, we're going to need an army. We could potentially have the have the legal armies of CBS coming down upon us, and so we're going to need all the support that Building we can this up. We're going to need Maybe. all three to four of you to come we're out. We're going to need all of you guys. But, yes, uh, we do thank those of you who have gone ahead and shared your opinions and reviewed a game on iTunes. And if you do, remember, the offer still stands. If you recommend a game, Garrett will buy it, and we will play it here on the show, and we will talk about you, and we will say nice things about you. Maybe, hopefully. Anyways, Garrett, can you get me out of here? It's getting late, and I yeah, I don't know if you guys have been hearing this dragon like hacking up a lung out behind me, but I got a pneumatic wife I got to go <laughs> take care of. So uh, I gotta, I gotta jump, y'all. We will talk you to you next week.